What's up everybody? Jen, XDivNet Investor here. The market has been crazy volatile lately. In this video, I'm going to show you how my seven-figure dividend portfolio is down over $400,000 from its peak. It's hopefully a way to put things in perspective for you and, and to help you stay true to your investing goals and strategies. I'll also show you the dividends I've received in March and we'll talk about my perspective about this market. But first, let's start by reviewing a subscriber's portfolio before we get to mine. And as a quick caveat, I'm not a licensed professional wealth manager, so as always, don't take anything I say as financial advice you should follow. Since I started my channel, subscribers have been sending me their portfolios asking for my feedback. So I thought it would be fun to do a series where I review subscriber submitted portfolios and then swipe right if I like them more than I dislike them or swipe left if I dislike them more than I like them. Additionally, I'll run a poll in the community tab on my channel so that you can vote on if you like the portfolio, generally speaking, or if you dislike it. That way we can see how the whole community feels about their portfolio rather than just me. And for full transparency, I've never used any dating app like Tinder, so I think that's how the swiping works. Of course, I'm just some random dude on the internet who is passionate about dividend investing, but that doesn't mean that what I like or dislike means that you need to agree with me. I don't know your goals, risk tolerance levels, financial status, etc. I'll give you an example. I don't own any bonds, as I've always preferred owning equities. However, professional advice is that you should own some bonds in your portfolio. Specifically, the classic advice is to own your own age in bonds as a percentage of your portfolio. So a 40-year-old should have 40% of their portfolio in bonds. If you are retired and are more financially conservative, or you want less volatility, then bonds might fit what you like. So if I review a portfolio with bonds, I'll probably say bonds aren't for me. But that doesn't mean bonds are bad for you. The same thing is true for a company I review. Just because I like or dislike a company in your portfolio doesn't mean it's a bad company. It just means that it's not my cup of tea. I think it's good to hear other people's perspectives on investments, but since it's your money, you need to do whatever you feel makes sense based on your research and your beliefs and realities and not based on what someone else thinks makes sense. Just like if I swipe right when looking at someone on Tinder, it wouldn't mean that you should too, even if I was a professional dating guru. It's not a perfect analogy, but I think you get my point. By the way, some folks sent me pure growth portfolios, and some sent me hybrid growth and dividend portfolios, and of course, most sent me pure dividend portfolios, so anything works. Finally, I'm not going to dig deeply into things like balance sheets and cash flows, but instead I'll just touch on a few things that jump out to me. Of course, if you're thinking about investing in any stock, then I recommend you do a deep analysis similar to any of my deep analysis videos. Okay, let's get the mood light going, put on some light porn music, and start the Tinder session. I'll use Seeking Alpha to check some of these stocks, so I'll be assuming the data is accurate. The first portfolio comes to us from a subscriber named Max. He said, Hi Gen X, here's my full portfolio. Let me know what you think. Thank you for the very valuable information you put out. Thanks Max, I really appreciate it. Max attached a PDF of his portfolio. So we see that when he sent it to me, he had a portfolio value of $322,000, so a nice size portfolio. Note he sent this to me before the big crash, so the actual numbers will be different. He said it's stripping $12,700 a year, and he says it has a 3.84% yield. He has 33 stocks. My first glance thoughts say that I like this portfolio. Let's dive into it. So first we see Apple. It's a solid company. It's 4.24% of his portfolio, so a decent position. I did a video on my detailed thoughts on Apple, so take a look at that if you want a very deep analysis of it. Then we have AbbVie, which is a good healthcare company, which has some risk due to their Humira patent coming off protection. I also did a video on AbbVie. And then we come to Bank of Nova Scotia. I don't know much about the Bank of Nova Scotia, though I've always heard that Canadian banks are solid. That being said, Seeking Alpha says it has only four years of dividend growth, so if that's accurate, then it fails my 10-year bar. A quick search shows that they have had dividend increases in 43 of the last 45 years, 
which is one of the best amongst Canadian corporations. If I recall, there are six main banks in Canada that account for most of the market share. Canadian banks weathered the 08 financial crisis quite well. That being said, Bank of Nova Scotia is only 0.36% of its portfolio, so maybe he's just starting this position. Then we find BP, which is a solid oil company I like. I wish it wasn't an ADR due to some of the annoyances that can happen if you want to drip it. This is one of his larger positions at about 7% of his portfolio. Oil companies are often tied to the price of oil, and so when things are going downhill, it's hard for oil companies to flourish. So if I was digging deeper, I might look at things like free cash flow to market cap and enterprise value to debt adjusted cash flows and such. But the bottom line issue with oil are the crazy low prices which are killing all the oil companies right now, combined with the gradual headwinds they face in an evolving market. My guess is we're going to see weaker oil companies die and the larger companies, like BP, will gobble them up for pennies on the dollar. And it's possible that any oil company could cut their dividend or freeze it given what's happening right now. Next we see BTI. BTI only has two years of dividend growth per seeking alpha, so I don't like that. Though when I did look at BTI, it seems like they're a strong company. It's only a small percent of its portfolio at about one half a percent. That being said, I'm concerned overall about the whole smoking vaping industry or facing headwinds, and I try to avoid investing into headwinds, much like Buffett has told us. Then he has Clorox. I like Clorox a lot. It's a great dividend company like Procter & Gamble and Kimberly-Clark and such. He has a small position in Clorox at 0.4% of his portfolio. Next is Cisco, which is a great tech company, but their dividend history is only 8 years, which is a bit light for me. Then we have Duke, which is an awesome utility, which I also hold. It looks like it's only 0.7% of his portfolio. Then we have General Mills, which is a solid company. I'm not a fan that their dividend has gone sideways for years. HSBC is another solid company, but I'm not a fan that their dividend has also been going sideways. That being said, they have some metrics which look high, so it's worth digging into it a bit. Then we come to IBM. It's an interesting play. They have a lot of patents, but their cloud offering is weak relative to Amazon's and Microsoft's, speaking as someone who has first-hand experience with all three. Their consulting arm isn't what it used to be, and their hardware is losing relevance. And this is coming from someone who used to be a big IBM cheerleader in early 2000 when their P-series was strong and their mainframes were the best, if you need to go that route. I get that people like the 20 years of consecutive dividend history and the large yield, but I think the yield is overshadowing things. But maybe their patents and the new CEO will help them out. J&J you gotta love, and it's a dividend growth investor's favorite. He has a nice holding at 5.4% of his portfolio. Then we have JPM, which is one of the better financial companies. He has a small position at 0.22% of his portfolio. Then we come to Kraft Heinz, which is not my cup of tea. After the dividend cut, they've gone sideways, it seems. I think the yield is part of why people look at it, but I do love their products. Then we have Kimberly Clark. It's solid. I've done a video on it if you want a deep analysis. It's been holding up better lately. I guess when you have white gold, aka toilet paper, people think you're a good one to invest in. Coke is solid, though their payout ratio is starting to get up there, and it's another one I did a video on. Then we come to L Brands. I'm not really a fan of L Brands. It has zero consecutive years of dividend growth, and it's in the retail industry, which I think is going to have a hard time to prosper in the age of Amazon, unless you're something big like a Costco or Target. It's only 1.93% of its portfolio, so not too material. Leggett & Platt is a solid industrials I like and did a video on. McDonald's is an awesome company, and as I said in my video, it's also somewhat of a real estate play that is fairly recession-proof other than in times like perhaps now where the beer virus could significantly limit their sales. Looks like he just started this position that's only 0.07% of his portfolio. 3M is a solid industrials which I like and did a video on and which the poll I ran in Discord for March shows is the number one company dividend investors are dollar cost averaging into. MO aka Altria is one of the best in the tobacco and smoking industry in my opinion though I'm concerned about the increasing headwinds they've been facing. Altria is what previously was the Philip Morris companies, though its actual history goes back to the mid-19th century. So if anyone can make it through headwinds, it would be them. 
they are one of the best performing stocks in history, and that's saying something. Oh, aka Realty Income I like for a real estate play, and their nice track record of increasing dividends. In fact, Realty Income just increased their dividend by 0.2%, which isn't much, but it's better than the wave of cuts I foresee will happen. Frankly, even though I love Realty Income, they're also in a tough spot if people stop going to the gym or 7-Elevens or etc. for a few quarters. So, it'll be interesting to see what they can do. Pepsi is a great company, one which I did a video on and like from a business perspective with their diversification of revenue and such, more so than Coke. Pfizer is solid, another one I own and did a video on. Procter & Gamble is a great one we both own and one of his larger positions at 7.5% of his portfolio. PPL is a decent utility and I wonder how they will navigate the evolving regulatory conditions in the UK. It's a smaller position for him at 0.8% of the portfolio. Starbucks is solid, they're facing some short-term headwinds with the beer sickness going on. Southern Company is a great utility we both own. T is a strong telecom and my favorite, but with debt that they are finally aggressively tackling, partially thanks to an activist investor. That being said, a 15.7% allocation in T is a bit much, as I like to limit a single stock to being 10% of my portfolio, assuming a decent sized portfolio, but it's not crazily out of weight for my tastes. Unilever is a strong international company I like. UTX is also a good dividend play. It looks like it's only at 0.1% of its portfolio. It'll be interesting to see how they evolve. Verizon's another great pure telecom play, driving 5G into our infrastructure. And ExxonMobil is one of the large oil players I like, that is facing both short-term headwinds due to the oil war between Russia and OPEC, and long-term headwinds due to the whole industry transition, but it's one I'll still take the risk to invest in personally. This is only 0.4% of its portfolio. Again, the main issue I'm seeing right now for Exxon and the whole oil industry is the price of oil per barrel. If that doesn't turn around, then things won't be good for any of them. I think they're at risk of a dividend freeze or cut. Okay, I covered his individual stocks, so let's analyze the overall portfolio a bit. He has good diversification in terms of number of stocks in his portfolio, and doesn't have so many that he can't follow what his businesses are doing. He also has good sector diversification here, owning tech, utilities, healthcare, energy, staples, telecommunications, and a bunch of others. We already reviewed his weighting in his stocks, and only T seemed a bit high, but good overall. He has some dividend aristocrats and kings, so overall his portfolio has a good amount of consecutive weighted years of increasing dividends. His various payout ratios look solid, just upon quick glance, without significant weighting that would scare me. Looking at market cap, I like the fact that he's going after large, established, name-brand blue-chip companies for a dividend portfolio. How about the starting yield? I like the fairly conservative 3.84%. He definitely isn't chasing yield, and so kudos to him for making a quality portfolio overall. As I've done videos on most of these companies, I can tell his portfolio's average weighted dividend CAGR is quite good. So I'm swiping right on this portfolio. It's a match, baby. What about you? Is this the portfolio you like overall? If so, vote that you like it on the community tab. If you don't like it overall, then vote that you don't like it. Okay, now let's talk about what happened in the market and then we can review my portfolio, including dividends I've received in March. As of the time I'm creating the script, the Dow has gone from 29,551 down to 19,206, or is down about 35% from its peak. The S&P 500 has gone from 3386 down to 2304, or is down around 32% from its peak. My dividend portfolio has gone from around 1.7 million US dollars on paper down to around 1.29 million, or is down around 24% from its peak, which means I'm down over $400,000 on paper. So seeing how crazy the market has been, it's possible that things will significantly change by the time you're watching this. Why has the Dow gone down around 35% but my portfolio is down 24%? Well, my portfolio's average weighted beta of 0.74 is helping me lose less than the overall stock market, which has a beta of 1. Remember, beta is a measure of a stock's volatility in relation to the overall market. If a stock moves less than the market, the stock's beta is less than 1. 
High beta stocks are supposed to be riskier but provide higher return potential. Low beta stocks pose less risk but also lower returns. So my portfolio's average weighted beta of 0.74 tells me that my portfolio should lose less when the market drops, generally speaking, which also means it should gain less when it goes up. So it's a more conservative portfolio. Let's look at some of the largest percentage market changes in the Dow per Wikipedia. We see that 1987 had the largest single day drop of all time from a percentage basis where it fell 22.6% in a single day. They called that Black Monday. This week had the second largest single day drop in Dow's history from a percentage basis as it fell about 13%. Then you have to go all the way back to 1929 for the next two largest percentage drops, which were during the Great Depression. And then the fifth largest single day drop from a percentage basis happened a few days ago. That is really insane. But if we look at the biggest percentage up days in the Dow, we also see that a few days ago we had the 10th largest single day percentage gain. So we are in a volatile, volatile, unprecedented market where in the same week we have one of the biggest percentage losses and one of the biggest percentage gains. So where do we go from here? Do I think the market can fall more? Of course it could. But also, of course, I don't know. I've learned long ago that I cannot consistently predict where the market will go, as no one can. Like most crises, this one is unique and it's hard to predict what will happen. I'm worried about the short and medium term could severely negatively impact people and the economy. Some experts are predicting that this could last for quite some time and be a massive dampening on productivity and cash flow across the board, which can yield potentially unprecedented negative impacts. However, no one knows. So I'm not trying to be alarmist, instead I'm trying to be a realist. It's possible we'll see a wave of dividend cuts and freezes. If I look at my portfolio, I think oil is a larger risk area right now. That all being said, my dividend investing strategy doesn't require me to time the markets. I just let my drip keep investing, regardless of what's going on. And as I've mentioned in other videos, this is now the third largest correction I've been through. The first was the dot-com bubble, where I lost over 50% of my portfolio on paper because I was weighted heavily in tech, and in risky tech at that. The second was the financial crisis, where I again lost around 50% of my portfolio on paper from the peak high to the peak low, much like the markets did. And here we are in my third big correction. So if this type of correction is new for you, then it might feel like a punch in the gut, and I can tell you that's how I felt earlier in my investing career. It gets easier the more of these crashes you go through. I figure I'll go through a few more beyond this one in my life. If I had to estimate, I'd guess we will have one big correction every 10 years. I'm also confident that, after some period of time, we'll be in a bull market again. Is that a day from now or 10 years from now? That I don't know. So am I worried about my investments? Well, let's think about what I'm investing in. Do people still need to use electricity? Yes, so I think my utility holdings of Southern Company and Duke will do fine in the long run. Will people still be buying Doritos that Pepsi makes? Yes, I think in pretty much any economic environment, people will still eat their chips. Will people still buy diapers for their babies or need to use toilet paper or toothpaste? Yeah, so I think Procter & Gamble and Kimberly-Clark will do fine in the long run. What about Microsoft? Will people still play Xbox? Will they use Microsoft's cloud for hosting their infrastructure? Will they use their office suite of products for word processing or Excel spreadsheeting? Yep. How about AT&T? Will people still use their cellular service? Yep. What about Disney? Well, their parks are going to be closed in the short term, as are their cruises probably, though I bet their streaming will increase. So will their short-term numbers look crappy and will people sell? Yes. But in 50 years from now, will people still love Disney and be consuming even more of its products and services? I'm betting yes. What about McDonald's? Will their short-term revenues be impacted by people not heading to their restaurants? Yes. Do I think long-term McDonald's will once again be doing well? Yes, I'm confident of that. 
Did I think a worldwide pandemic would happen to hurt something like McDonald's? No, and thus it shows you why you need to diversify and invest in quality across many sectors and industries, because even recession-proof or resistant stocks aren't immune to what can happen. So to answer my question I asked, I'm confident that strong companies will survive, and I try to invest in quality. One of the things I like about investing in quality dividend companies is that my dividend income has remained the same as of right now, even though my portfolio value has fallen a decent amount. All right, here we are in the red portfolio, and today is Wednesday, so God knows what's going to happen in the next couple days. But I increased the size a bit. Let's first look at the portfolio allocations. Okay, so here we are. We can see starting right here that Infotech is Apple and Microsoft. It's 17.5% of my portfolio. This is healthcare with Johnson & Johnson, AbbVie, and Pfizer at 12.5%. This is Consumer Staples Household Goods with Procter & Gamble, Kimberly-Clark, and Colgate-Palmolive at 16.2%. This is Consumer Staples Food Beverages with Pepsi & Coke at 12.1%. Utilities with Duke & Southern Company at 11.1% right here. And then Telecommunications with AT&T at 5.7%. Industrials with 3M, Leggett and Platt, and Caterpillar at 8.7%. Real estate with Realty Income at 4%. And then we have Consumer Discretionary with McDonald's, Starbucks, Home Depot, and Disney at 7.1%. Energy with Chevron ExxonMobil at 2.9%. And Goldman Sachs and Travelers at 2.2%. And this will give you a frame of reference as to what VU is. So if you want to compare, you see Communication Services is about 10%, consumer discretionary is about 10%, consumer staples about 7, energy is 4, financials is 12.9, healthcare is 14, industrials is 9, information technology is 23, materials 2.7, real estate is about 3, and utilities is about 3, just for comparison's sake. And if we go into it, you can see how everything is bright red. These are the tickers, the company, the number of shares. I minimized my spark line for this just to get more data on here. So you can see everything is red in this crazy drop. And if you, you can also see that the starting dividend yields are starting to go up as the share price goes down. And we can see my portfolio's average weighted five-year dividend CAGR is 7.51%. The portfolio starting yield is 3.9%, and the portfolio value is about 1.28 million, and it's dripping $49,835. So it definitely is taking a beating. If we look at the dividends I've received, so you can see Southern Company received a dividend for $672, Pfizer for $175, these are the March ones, Chevron for $228, J&J for $809, ExxonMobil $725, 3M at $779, Microsoft $398, Realty Income at $292, Duke at $984, and McDonald's at $503, and still Goldman Sachs, Pepsi, and Travelers to go for this month. So far for March, I've received $5,568. And if we look at Q1, we can kind of see how things are playing out. And we can see realty income. 
has been this is kind of a cute quarterly look so we can see realty income is kind of slowly going up from 284 to 291 to 292 month over month because it's compounding monthly and they sometimes do some increases in between there these are the ones i received this month and then if we go into this view again we can see the different companies and how they're coming along monthly i'll just keep on adding each month into this as this goes on so April will be nice because we'll kind of see how the January payouts trended up. Anyways, I want you to stay positive as we go through this insane volatility. This too will eventually turn around and someday you'll look back at this experience and appreciate what you learned from it, but don't let it turn you off from investing. Don't be like some of my friends that felt that the gut punch of a stock market crash was too much to deal with, so they got out and never got back in. Thanks for watching and I'll chat with you again real soon. Remember. I'm not a financial advisor, and these videos are for entertainment, inspiration, and educational purposes only. Investing of any kind involves risk. I'm only sharing my opinion with no guarantee of gains or losses on investments. Don't use this information without double checking it and talking to someone a lot smarter than me after you completely understand it. So I'll see you in the next video, and remember to stay positive, patient, play for the long term, keep investing in great companies, budget reasonably, and win. I know you can do it. Just like I know you can hit the subscribe, like, and bell icons, share this video with others, and comment below.